Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So far our reading from God's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, great to be with you this morning, and uh, good to see you here in church at uh, Alberston. Uh, I am trying to learn the lingo. Um, I was lovingly corrected on Friday that it isn't uh, lawn cestern, but long, lawn cestern. Uh, so if I get the word Alberston incorrectly pronounced, please uh, just help me out there. But there may not be no problems with that, I take it. Um, also, it was mentioned in the prayers that uh, Kathy uh, isn't here today. She and Ellen have gone to visit her mum uh, as part of um, catching up with her. And so um, just wanted to let you know that. And also, just really want to say thank you again. Uh, it was a big Sunday last week and uh, very grateful for your very warm welcome and uh, all the work that was done in seeing that we could be here. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for your love and prayers for us as we continue to settle here and uh, get to know you, and uh, we serve the Lord together uh, as his people. Let us pray, shall we, as we uh, look at this uh, section of God's Word. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful to you we are here today as your people. We've come from busy lives, no doubt. Uh, pressures on us from various quarters, just simply by living in this world. But uh, we do want to be people who are living lives that are pleasing to you, for you have called us 
to know you and to trust you, to follow you. So we pray that this uh, time as a, a group, as your people, will be truly strengthening for us as we serve together, love one another in uh, our fellowship. So Lord, um, please now help us as we turn to this uh, letter of 1 Thessalonians and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, as I was mentioned, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, this uh, letter uh, together over the next uh, number of Sunday mornings. And um, friends, if you are anything like me, you probably wonder, maybe from time to time, why things seem so slow in people coming to faith. And um, it might seem to you a bit discouraging. In fact, people not actually coming to faith, but actually people uh, turning away. Uh, rejecting uh, things to do with God, uh, things to do with the, say, relevance of the person of Jesus. In fact, it may well be that you might meet someone these days who don't really even know who Jesus is. Things can be a bit slow, and wouldn't it be lovely that we would see uh, more people in our town uh, hearing uh, and receiving the news about Jesus for them here and becoming his disciples. Perhaps our confidence and our joy in the gospel needs to be rekindled. Um, I remember not long ago, late last year, there was an interview by the presenter David Koch to a pastor in Melbourne about some issue that... I. For the life of me, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but you can tell me later. But I do remember at one point in that interview where David Koch, in just a sentence or two, just sort of wiped away the importance or indeed the place that the Bible has for people today. And I just remember thinking to myself, that's it. You know, he's speaking to people tuning in there that have really no understanding whatsoever of what this is all about. But I do want to remind you today that as we meet at Holy Hour on Sunday morning, I think it is 9.30, maybe 10, I don't know, but anyway, there are thousands of people around the world who will meet at 9.30, just like what we are doing, because they know Jesus as the Saviour and they know him as their Lord's. And as we come to this little letter of 1 Thessalonians, here are a group of people who have been impacted by the gospel and have been impacted for the gospel. Paul has arrived in Thessalonica. It's a place in the region or the province of Macedonia, modern-day Greece. It's his second missionary journey around about AD 49. Thessalonica was a major town, a major seaport, and it was a place, I guess, where people were coming and going quite a lot. So it is a strategic place for the gospel to spread. And as you read about how that gospel commenced in Acts 17, it really is a mixed bag. The three missionaries there spend, we read about at least three weeks, but probably three months, as commentators tell us, bringing the gospel to that city. And there was a good outcome. 
We read there that uh, some Jews were persuaded to join the missionaries. There were a large number of Greeks, fearing Greeks, God-fearing Greeks, believing in a number of leading women. Great fruit. Gospel had impacted the city. But reading the account, there's also opposition. In fact, uh, the Jews are very jealous and they get so jealous to the point where they, they go around the town and they get a lynch mob, a group of thugs. I don't think there's any of those in Ulverston. I've, I've looked far and wide over the last few weeks. I can't see them. But if you know some, let me know. But look, no. Here, the, here are these thugs who start a riot. And uh, what happens is that Paul and Silas have to leave the city. They travel west to a place called Berea. They're there for about seven weeks, ministering the gospel. Until such time as Paul goes to Athens, he continues in this second missionary journey to speak of Jesus. And while in Athens, he is really overwhelmed with anxiety about that infant church in Thessalonica. And then he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to find out how they're going. How are those new converts? How are they going? Had the gospel truly impacted them in spite of the opposition in the city or, in fact, had they given up? And so by the time Timothy comes back to Paul, Paul has moved on, the missionary to Corinth. So you follow the, the, the plot? We've gone from Thessalonica to Berea to Athens and now to Corinth. And there he is. Timothy returns with a report about the church at Thessalonica. And so 1 Thessalonians is really a response to that report. So let's have a look at this together under two headings. If you've got this little outline that comes in, you'll see the headings there. Gospel, God's gospel establishes the church and then God's gospel received and shared by the church. And let's have a look at this together. You'll see the, um, the greeting there. It's a customary greeting beginning like this, verse 1, where he addresses them. It says the letter there to the church of the Thessalonians. The church of the Thessalonians. The church is the assembly, the gathering of the believers. The gospel established the churches for as people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, so they belong to him, they are gathered to him and in him. For it is the church of the Thessalonians, it says, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It could just as easily have been said, the church of God in Thessalonia. It's really the two sides of the same coin. God's gospel establishes people in his church who know God as Father and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As you think about that little word in you think about Jesus speaking about being in him. Perhaps you think of John 15, where Jesus talks about his people like branches who are in the vine. 
Or Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of being the limbs living in the body. We share the common life that is found in God. Which you see, friends, is far more significant than being a member in the local bowling club. As much as that's a good thing. You see, we are true members in the church here because through the gospel we are living in Christ, in God the Father. It's about life in him. And it wasn't that we nor the Thessalonians were particularly good people. We didn't deserve that. And Paul's greeting to the church reminds us of this because he says their grace to you and peace. That's how we live our Christian lives, isn't it? How it starts, how it's lived in the grace of God. That is his free, undeserved favour. So the church should be a gracious community. For it is in God the Father, the Son, who establishes it by grace and brings us peace with God. May the grace and peace be the hallmarks of the church prayed for the Thessalonians and for the church of the Olvestonians, if I could say that. What God has done for people in his gospel is cause of endless thanksgiving. And so in verse 2, Paul expresses feelings towards his converts of thankfulness. And why? Well, you see it there in verse 4. If you look down there, if you've got the Bible open there, you'll see it. For God has chosen them. God's gospel came to them, you see. It established them in the church, for God had chosen them. They were his people before the foundation of the world. And what was the evidence of this? Verse 3, it says, their work produced by faith, their labour prompted by love, their endurance inspired by hope. Clear, evident fruit. Paul, in his letter, in another letter into the Macedonian region, put it this way. He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. That is, that a greater fear than the fear of man in the city moved the Thessalonians to live out the gospel, to be the church in Christ, to stand for truth, to do the works of service empowered by their saviour and Lord as the expression of authentic faith and love. 
Notice the word that he uses there, that it is a labour of love. Last week was Valentine's Day, wasn't it? The day we express our love for our loved one. I take it there isn't much labour involved in doing that. Buy the flowers, get the chocolates, have a dinner, perhaps something like that. There's not much sacrifice. What Paul here is getting at is it's sacrificial love. That's a hallmark of the church. That is like our saviour who loved us sacrificially. So we love. Costly love for one another in the church. One of the ways the Thessalonians demonstrated their labour of love was in their generosity where Paul describes them to the church at Corinth as giving as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Such was their love for the church and other parts. They excelled in the grace of giving as part of the love for fellow Christians. May God grant to us a labour of love for one another. Jesus said, they will know that you are Christians by our love. Ask the Lord to labour in love for his church. Knowing that he sees what all that you are doing. Ask the Lord to fill you with his love. That as you labour in love for one another, you do it for him. And Paul is thankful as he remembers their endurance inspired by hope. That in the face of opposition, the assaults that are coming on their faith, they are steadfast in hope, a certain hope that they had, that Christ will accomplish all that he has promised. As faith, hope and love are being worked out, it is a sure fruit that God has chosen them in love. His love. Chosen in him, for God is love. He chose you because he loves you. And he loves you because he loves you. The gospel, God's gospel establishes the church. And secondly, God's gospel is received and shared by the church. The other reason that Paul gives why he knows that they are chosen is there in verse 5. He says, because our gospel, and really all that simply means, that little phrase, our gospel, means that it's God's gospel that he proclaimed. That gospel came to you not simply with words, he says, but also with power in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. They didn't just hear the gospel. They received it. You see, it had gripped their hearts. They knew they received Christ to believe on him. They were men and women who were proof positive of Jesus' words in John 6. All whom the Father has given to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. They knew in Jesus there was the promised saviour for their sin. 
the one who took their judgment, the one who was raised for their justification. They receive God's gospel in the person of Jesus. And this, my friends, is how you reveal you are chosen, that you cling to Christ for salvation, that you see in him everything you need for forgiveness, for Christian living, that you trust in his promises and you listen to his voice. You hear his words, the message of the gospel, the word of God. That gospel, says Paul, came with power in the Holy Spirit. Perhaps he's talking about miracles and signs and wonders and all of that as he preached the gospel. Well, if you go to Acts 17, there we have no record recorded there in scripture of signs and wonders going on. Most likely what Paul is referring to here with power in the Holy Spirit is a reference to the fact that people were released from their slavery to sin. To get a new pattern for living, a new allegiance, new loves, new obedience now for the Lord. Quite clearly, there is no such thing as free will when it came to the Thessalonians. They didn't freely choose to believe in their own power. But only as God enabled them. God used his gospel spoken by Paul, coming to them with power in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction which they received by faith. And friends, the gospel's impact is still the same today. We might be discouraged by slow progress. But I wonder how much we pray for progress, for opportunities. How much do we pray to the Lord on Sundays that we, that we might see Alveston, and the places that we frequent, hearing the news, that it might come with power, that we might have that conviction to share it. When was the last time we prayed, Lord, use us in some way? Perhaps like the Alveston clock, that clock tower that rings out on the hour that the Lord's message would ring out in our town. Something like with the Thessalonian church where the message, it says, rang out all over that province of Macedonia and Achaia. Their faith in God was known everywhere. They were known far and wide as a church who enthusiastically brought the gospel to people. Not only did they go throughout their city, but all the regions as well. They received it, welcomed it with joy, despite the suffering they endured as a result. They imitated Paul and the Lord in suffering for the gospel. They were an example 
to the other believers throughout the region. So much so that what we read here is that Paul is hearing from others about the church in Thessalonica. Paul, didn't you know that there are these people in that pagan city of Thessalonica who are now believers in Jesus Christ? There's a church in God there where people are living differently now. It's like there's a new society, new values and standards characterised by faith, love and hope. What was he hearing from others? He was hearing a conversion story. Verse 9, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There's so much concern these days about interest rates rising. The fixed rate is about to end and people's mortgages are going to go up through the roof. More concerned about interest rates rising than the return of Jesus. More concerned about the stock market crashing. Apparently in 10 days' time there's going to be Another one. More concerned about the property prices slumping. Future prosperity. Than the reality that there is a day. And because Jesus is the believer's saviour for today, he is our saviour for tomorrow and for that day when God's wrath will be poured out. He was raised from the dead to rescue us and be our refuge for that day. And this is part of the hope, his church, that we have as believers. For we are in God the Father. We are in Jesus Christ. We are chosen in love. We are the church of Alveston that meets at 36 John Street. Established on God's gospel. People who might labour in love. Who might produce works of faith who have endurance inspired by hope. We have turned our hearts and wills to the Lord. We are making it our aim to live for the Lord by serving him and serving others, sharing him with others. And as you ponder these things, I wonder what reputation would you like our church to have in our community? Often the church, generally speaking, gets badly maligned. These days people think that they can even be Christian without belonging to the church. The New Testament doesn't give that option. But as we love others by sharing the message and our lives... May people see a difference and come to know the person that we know.
There is that, uh, an impressive sequence, I think, in these verses that we've looked at, where we see here that our gospel came to you, you welcomed it, and it rang out from you. Friends, will we come alongside one another to have a ministry of the gospel? Not activity as such, but a service to them for the Lord. And will the message ring out from us? How will we cultivate and nurture our relationship with God? For we are in God the Father and our Lord Jesus. Our challenge will always be to embody that message, to live that message, to be what we try to convey. Well, that can only be aided through time spent with God in his word and in prayer. The most wonderful news is God has chosen us to be his church. He has brought us to himself in the gospel. That same gospel should move us to love others, to share the message about the living God, to embody the message as his church, to his praise and for his glory. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That powerful gospel has uh, come and uh, the church is being built. So Lord, would you take and use us in this great cause? May we be that loving community that you want us to be. May we be that faithful, work-producing community that you want us to be. May we be people of hope, people of joy, people confident, people standing firm against the tide of our society. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been raised from the dead to be our refuge for that day. And so, Lord, may we, as a church, come alongside others, even one another, to have a ministry of this gospel. And so may you receive the praise and the glory as Jesus is more and more in us and working through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.